0: to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis, and Vicar Jason Com as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, to the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 24, a community like no other. My name is Pastor Tom Marcis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Jason Com. And we're glad that you're with us as we're continuing our journey through living the faith. This week, we are looking again at the third article, of the Apostles' Creed, uh, taking a second look at that. This week, especially focusing in on the Spirit's role in the Church, and that's always uh, a very interesting topic for us to deal with. And as we do that, we want to start out first with baptism. It's a great place to start as baptism is really in many ways an introduction into the church for many people. It is their first contact with their Lord and Savior through water and the word. So let's take a closer look at baptism.
1: And this is a fitting place to start. I remember Pastor Marcus preached a sermon on baptism being the start of the story a couple of Sundays ago. So let's dive into a closer look at baptism and the spirit's role in it. So we talk a lot about how this is how the Spirit brings us into the faith. This is how he gifts us with our faith in God, how he brings us into a relationship with the Father. But the Spirit also brings us into a family. That's much more than just our relationship with God. So not only does is baptism counted as this adoption where we receive our Father from heaven for ourselves, but we also receive countless brothers and sisters in Christ not just within our community, but all around the world. And so we call this family, the church, the community of believers in Christ here on earth. And again, it's the spirit's role and duty and work to bring this family together, and he wants all people to be a part of it. He works so that all people would become a part of God's family. But the church as a whole is much more than just, you know, it's not just the building that we go to every Sunday morning. It's not just the people that we see every Sunday morning, but it's all people who have been baptized into Christ Jesus that count as the church, as our family, as our brothers and sisters in the Lord.
0: And as we're using this term family, I think it's important to acknowledge that not all families are created equal in this life. Uh, Some of us have very good relationships with our family, uh, lots of siblings, siblings get along. Others of us, uh, very small families, uh, siblings don't necessarily get along, children don't necessarily get along with their parents and vice versa. Uh, So realize that when we use that terminology, we're not necessarily using it in a context that you may personally be able to relate to sadly, but for many of us, hopefully, it's an opportunity for us to realize what the family is supposed to be and how, in a perfect way, God's giving us this family to help us to grow and so forth, to realize so that it's not always that perfect relationship back and forth
1: when what we may be familiar with, but what God wants us to be familiar with. Mm -hmm. And God is very patient with us, too. We know that we tend to disobey our Heavenly Father a lot, but He doesn't just turn His back on us because we've had a bad day but it's actually quite the opposite. Um, God works through the Spirit to bring us all closer to Him and closer to each other. And so God shapes us into the, the ideal family.
0: Well, and if any of you have the privilege of having uh, children come into your family through adoption, I know that my family personally has that. There, there's something wonderful. It's amazing. If, if y- you have never experienced it, it's something amazing having these children brought into your family. And while they're not necessarily physically uh, a part of the family in the sense that blood-related, uh, oh, so much more. And the special specialness of that adoptive relationship. And in the sense, that's what's happening here. We're being adopted into God's family through the waters of baptism, and uh, not because uh, of any other thing, but God chose us. And that's there's there's something special about that when you talk about adoption, and we chose you to be a part of our family. We are in this together, and God uses that imagery when He talks about the building and growing of the family, and the adoption in, and making us all then. Uh, a part of the body of Christ, and how that makes us one, uh, family being many members, but one family, and how that family can grow and still remain uh, one family. Now, sadly, obviously, in this life, um, with sin being major part of the world since Adam and Eve, uh, the church is divided. Now, as God decide, God's call to have it one, the church is divided. But even in its division, God still reigns. God's still in charge, even though in our sinfulness, uh, this church won't talk to that church or complains about this and that, um, yet we, what ultimately brings us together and makes us one is Christ Jesus.
1: And notice how it's called the body of Christ, not the bodies of Christ, not the many churches of Christ, but just the one true body of Christ, his church. And so yes, there there is this mysterious oneness that we have even though there's also great division, which would not make the apostle Paul very happy if you remember talking about his letters in our trek to the scriptures from last year. He came down on division pretty hard, but we have this promise that when Jesus returns, he will unite his flock scattered all around the world and he will truly make us one. And so we have this hope to cling to that we don't see like the true oneness of the church right now but that is our eternal reality in the Lord. It's coming.
0: Well, and the picture of body, which the apostle Paul uses often in his writings, reminds us that there are many parts, uh, but one body. And each one of those parts has their own unique uh, responsibility to the body, the eyes, the ears, the fingers, the toes, the, the baby toe, the big toe, all that. I mean, there's all different parts, and yet God brings them all together. And can you imagine uh, the hand complaining about the eye? Well, well, the hand could maybe feel, but it sure couldn't see without the eyes or vice versa, you know? And so it's very interesting to realize that while we may think uh, the church is this or that,
1: remember the church is Christ, not us. Mm -hmm. Well, now let's move to what makes the church unique from other communities or organizations in the world. There's a lot to go over here. So first Jesus is the head of the church. He is the personal leader of the church. We could call him the boss. He runs things. This is his church, not our church that we run, but his church that he is in charge of. And another way to think of it is the shepherd of the flock, the good shepherd. Um, We've talked about this before. Being called a sheep is not necessarily a compliment. It's not because we're cute and cuddly. It's because we tend to wander and go off into places that we shouldn't and do things over and over again that we shouldn't. It's a very fitting uh, analogy for us as humans. How much more fitting of an analogy is it for Jesus, the good shepherd, to never get weary about his work? He never gets tired of being the leader of the church, but this this is his joy. He lives for this church to make it grow and to sustain the sheep that are in his flock. We well, use
0: terminology boss here just a few moments ago. And in a sense, that makes Jesus the head shepherd, like he is the shepherd over all the church. And he has these under shepherds uh, that he uh, has called and placed uh, to take care of certain portions of the flock. Uh, The under shepherd isn't the big boss or the head shepherd. Uh, uh, His concern is with this uh, particular portion of the flock. And so to realize that a pastor will often fall into the language uh, my congregation, so forth, my church. Uh, But really, it's his church. We get to serve it. And so it's really Christ's church. I often tell confirmation kids, you know, who's the head in charge at Zion Lutheran Church? And, of course, a lot of them think, oh, well, this is a chance to make some brownie points with pastor. It's you. No, not me. Uh, uh, I'm the under-shepherd. It's not, the, it's not the elected leadership. It's not Grandma Schmidt who thinks she knows the best thing for the kitchen or so forth. Uh, no, it's Jesus is the head. We we merely are his under-shepherds leading the flock underneath him. And to realize that, yep, Zion Lutheran Church, and may, my name may be on the marquee, so to speak, uh, Thomas R. Marces Jr., senior pastor, but it's really the Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like that for— All churches all around the world. The church, what else makes it unique is that it's also the only community in the world through which God forgives our sins. It's the only community through which He works that. You can't go into Target and just buy the forgiveness of sins. You can't sit down at a restaurant and order the forgiveness of sins. That's just not how it works. What happens is that God comes to us in worship, in church and forgives us. And he only does this through the church. And so we could call the church holy or set apart for the administration of the word and sacraments. It's kind of what makes the church what it is. It is this unique, special community, this group of people through which God does these things, through which God forgives us of our sins. And he doesn't choose to do that through any other community. It's only the church.
0: Well, uniquely, too, is the fact that it is built upon all these eyewitness testimonies. Uh, the book of Acts in the early days of the Christian church has all kinds of eyewitness testimonies to various aspects. And one of the things that's also interesting with that is to know that how the book of Acts was written. If you remember back last year when we were going through the New Testament, our trek through the scriptures, we talked about how the gospels were written, when they were written, and so forth. But remember, uh, as mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, Vicar talked about how the book of Acts can really be called Acts Part 2. I mean, Luke Part 2, excuse me, Luke Part 2. And so both the Gospel of Luke and Acts written by the same author. And it's believed, uh, with some evidence to back it up, that while Paul was imprisoned in uh, Palestine before he was taken to Rome to meet before Caesar, that Luke was with him. Uh, You can see this in his writings, and said, we this, we that. So Luke was there. And it's thought that Luke went around and talked to several of the eyewitnesses, especially after the resurrection after Jesus uh, came back to life on Easter. Uh, And it's often mentioned many are still alive and so forth. So while Luke... Was not necessarily there to witness himself. He and the writing was able to then uh, talk to many of the eyewitnesses themselves, and so the teachings really are built on by the power of the the spirit through uh, the telling how and what and when, where and how that was be written, inspiration. And yet, uh, he, Luke was able to then, as a part of that inspiration,
1: talk to people who were there firsthand. So think about Luke going around just. Interviewing people, asking them questions, comparing notes. I'd love to just be able to look at all the scribbles that he had, that he poured into actually writing his gospel in the Book of Acts as well, because um, he had he probably spent most of his life doing this after after the resurrection. And so we've touched upon this point already. But the Church, uh, what also makes it unique is that it is uniquely one, as the body of Christ, just all around the world. It's the Church of Jesus. And there's no other community, no other group of people that gets this special honor of just being one in the Lord. And again, we don't see the true reality of that right now because of sin and division. We are split in many ways, and we can't agree on um, exactly who Jesus is and what he says and what he does. But he will remove all those divisions and barriers one day, and we will be able to experience that as God intends. And so that is something to look forward to. That's a promise that we have of like, if you think God's family is large now with what you can see, just wait, just wait until he returns. There's going to be without number brothers and sisters in Christ that we will get to spend eternity with in perfection. It's a lot to look forward to.
0: Well, like many organizations, uh, the church and i here using the term the church in terms of the congregation uh, it's good for the church to reflect think about who are we what are we what's our mission what's our goal and so oftentimes you'll find a local congregation uh, getting its leadership together both elected and unelected leadership together and ask the question what's our purpose what's our goal what is it that zion lutheran church or the name of your congregation would be what's the the name what is their purpose what is their goal and When we do that, it's also good for the congregation to step back and say, okay, this might be Zion's goal or Faith Lutheran or St. John's, whatever your church's name might be, but what is the church, the holy Christian church? What is the purpose of the church? Why did God give us the church uh, for that reason? So what what is the church and its goals?
1: Well the pure proclamation of the gospel, of the good news, and the proper administration of the sacraments, the means of grace, that what makes the church the church. And it's through these gifts and only through these gifts that the Holy Spirit creates and sustains faith. And so while it's true that every church you might go to has this individual specific mission statement, like this is Zion's mission statement or Messiah's mission statement or whatever, but every church has to keep this in mind, that what makes the church the church is the right proclamation of the gospel and the right use of the sacraments for the forgiveness of sins to create and strengthen faith. That's, those are the Holy Spirit's tools. That's how he works. And if the church isn't using these tools, then the Holy Spirit, he's not going to do his job because he's not using the tools that that the church is supposed to be using.
0: Well, it's interesting too to realize that as we step back, what are those tools? We've been talking about that often. It's one of the reasons why all of 2022 we were going through our trek through the scriptures, getting into the scriptures. Uh, what does God say? What is his direction that he's given us? And for the church, uh, he does call us to be wisest or serpents to use the abilities God has given us, but it's not what I think or Vicar, kamm thinks, or Martin Luther thinks, or any of the church fathers think, ultimately it comes down to what is it that Scripture's telling us. Now, we reflect on what the church fathers have written in the past, the pastor digs into it and shares that good news uh, with his congregation that he is called to serve, but ultimately the one setting the mission isn't the pastor, isn't the local church, the one that is setting the mission is God in Christ Jesus through His Word. And so it's very important for us uh, to always back on what does God's Word say as a whole, that guides, directs us, and leads us. Uh, It's very easy to pick out this statement or that statement, make it say what we want it. but ultimately, what is the whole of the uh, message of God throughout Scripture that He's trying to get us? And one of the things we talk about is thought, word, and deed, you know, putting into action what the Scriptures have to say, and that is always reflecting back what is it that Scripture has to say to us or that God is speaking to us through His Scriptures.
1: Yes, God does not just call us to gather together and worship just for the sake of being together, just to do whatever we want. But church, this community, serves very specific purposes. One is to confess and proclaim the forgiveness of sins in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that is for everyone. It's for the entire world, even people that aren't in the church. Some would argue, especially for people that aren't in the church. It's our duty as God's family to spread this gospel, this good news. And what goes along with that is living in thought and word and deed as his witnesses. There's that word witness again. So, we may not be direct eyewitnesses of the resurrection. You know, we weren't actually there when Jesus was risen from the dead. But in in our baptisms, we are given the faith to believe that this all happened. So in that sense, we are just as genuine, real witnesses of the resurrection as the apostles back then. And so we carry on their work of proclaiming the good news. Well, and that's
0: where the scriptures come in, in the sense that the Spirit working in and through that message, we get a glimpse. We may not have had a video camera. There's not any digital recording of the events of those days, but the recordings are there for us through His Word. And the Spirit working in and through that Word guides, directs us, establishes faith. I mean, let's face it, the Spirit has grown the church throughout the ages. How? through God's Word, and it delivers to us uh, through the Scriptures. And throughout the last uh, couple years as we've been going through these various issues, we've been reminded again and again how God's Word is true, how God's Word is solid, uh, and how God continues to work in in the majesty that God works in and through the inspiration of His Word, and how very little uh, interjection has been in there uh, as He's done that. So, be reminded that that's how He calls. So, He calls us through His Word, He spreads the church through His Word, and the church continues to grow
1: through His Word and message. And we're called, each of us— to live as witnesses. Now, are we always going to get it right? No, but there is grace for our failings, and we never do it alone. We never do anything alone here in this earth um, and in the life to come. The Lord is always with us, and he's given us this huge, wonderful family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be with us, to walk beside us, and just to love each other. That was Jesus' main command throughout the Gospel of John was, love each other as I have loved you, as the Father loves me. And so that's, that's what the Spirit works towards. He works toward us to have and share and know the love of God. And
0: as we do that, uh, one of the things that you've heard us say on this podcast uh, over and over again, remember who the enemy is. The enemy is not others in the church the enemy is those outside the church now that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to ignore the differences that we might have or to have discussion about how things should be this way or that way that's not what we're saying here but the ultimate enemy the real enemy is the devil in the world outside the church even our own sinful flesh that we struggle with but the devil in the world out there that's the enemy not inside the church. And so sometimes we seem to focus so much of our energy on the disagreements that we have inside the church that we forget about the call to go outside the church and bring those in. So uh, remember that too as we go through this and through the readings this week as well. Well, we hope that uh, this has been uh, helpful for you as you dive into the scripture readings for this coming week, as we continue to look at the third article of the Apostles' Creed, as you uh, take moment to pause on the prompt questions and take some note of that, and as we dive ever deeper into the work of the Spirit and in the church. Lord's blessings in your study this week, and may the Spirit continue to guide and direct you in your daily walk of faith.
1: Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.